Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. I think Richard said it best. It's really important on who you hang out with. <laughs> it's really important on who you fellowship and who you're a part of and who you're around. And yes, that's, that means in your day-to-day life and in the local church, but it also means in the broader spectrum of the local church and the body of Christ. Who are we connected to? Who has God brought us into relationship with so that we can be a part of something that's bigger than just what's going on here in the Treasure Valley? I'm thankful that we're planted here, but how many of you know that God's called us to far more than just here? So it's important for us to, to form partnerships and things that help us to propel forward the kingdom of God and what God is doing. And that's really what we've been spending the fall here so far talking about is the kingdom of God and understanding that the kingdom of God is not just something that someday we're going to get to go to heaven and be a part of, but Jesus actually said the kingdom of God is at hand. It's happening right here and now. We actually sang about that this morning, that Jesus brought heaven down to us that we could experience what it's like around the throne of God, what it's like in God's kingdom, and that there's culture and there's perspective. And that's what Jesus taught about constantly was the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like. Does that sound familiar to anybody? If you've read anything in the Gospels, Jesus said it over and over and over and over. I'm going to keep going and over and over again. The kingdom of heaven is like. Why was it so important for Jesus to teach us what the kingdom of heaven was like? It was important for Jesus to teach us what the kingdom of heaven is like because I want you to hear this from me today. It's home. And it's home for eternity for us. And so Jesus wanted us to know and experience the wonder of what God was creating and has created for those that would believe in who Jesus Christ is. And as we experience the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven can't help but to, to change the lives of the people that were around because it's changing us. So when Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, he was trying to teach the disciples in the early church and us today what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like in the world that we live in so that we can live in the image of Christ in this world that we are a part of right now. Now granted, it's only temporary, but as we live out The realities of the kingdom of God with our life, things like what happened to Richard can happen to your neighbor. A man who really wasn't looking for God, but God was looking for him. A man that had no idea that in owning a duplex on the Boise bench would lead him to the person of Jesus Christ. Through people coming over and cutting down a branch that fell out of his tree. That's not what he was looking for, but can I tell you, that's what Jesus was looking for. And as we learn how to live out of the kingdom, as we learn the principles of the kingdom, it can't help but to draw other people to the person of Jesus Christ. It happened in Richard, and I would venture to say every person sitting in this room has had somebody or something where they saw the kingdom of God, the person of Jesus Christ, being lived out in somebody else, and we went, I need what they've got. I'm standing here today because of that, because the grace of God found me, the kingdom of God found me, the family of God found me when I wasn't looking for that as a little kid, but God drew me to himself. And I don't know about you, but I am super grateful for that. 
And so as we think about the kingdom of God, I want to remind you that that is what you're a part of. And I want to read to you a passage of scripture out of Luke chapter 12 that, that just kind of paints this picture for us. Now, I want to set the context for you. Luke chapter 12 is where Jesus is doing some teaching. How many of you know he did a little bit of that? Yeah. And Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God. Shocking, I know. And he was talking about the kingdom of God in comparison to the pursuit of riches in this world. Now, you may be sitting here today going, well, I just don't have that problem in my life. I beg to differ with you. Every one of us wrestles with the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of this world is all about what you can get for you. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Sounds like you should be a McDonald's commercial or something. Like the the world's trying to sell you on the fact that you're the most important thing out there and you need to do everything. I'm offending a lot of people right now. You need to do everything that you can do to live a comfortable life and to get all this stuff. That hasn't changed from the beginning of time. Does anybody remember what took place in the Garden of Eden? That desire to have knowledge, that desire to have the thing that somebody said I couldn't have. It's the same thing that we're wrestling with today. I'm not telling you not to have a job. I'm not telling you not to earn money. I'm just saying don't let it own you. And that's what Jesus was trying to say is the principle of the kingdom of God. Don't let your stuff own you. So the early part of this chapter, he's he's talking about that. He's talking about this rich young man who builds all these big warehouses to store all his cool stuff in. And the Lord comes to him and says, what are you doing? You do not even understand that this very night your life is going to be demanded of you. And all of this stuff, all these cool cars, all this money, these beautiful homes that you have, guess what? You don't even know who's going to take that. All this effort that you put into gaining stuff in your life, at the end of your journey, it's just going to go bye-bye to somebody else. And Jesus was trying to teach this principle into the heart of of his followers and help them to understand, listen, the kingdom of God is not about what you acquire in this life. The kingdom of God is all about being aware that there is an eternity that is out in front of us, and what we do right now impacts that eternity. So Jesus was teaching them, and in chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus says these incredible words, do not be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you, everybody say, give you, you. the kingdom. It is God's greatest delight. It brings him joy and happiness, listen, to give you the kingdom of God. Wow. It is God's greatest joy and delight to bring into our brokenness his wholeness of the kingdom of God. It is God's great delight to open up heaven, the riches of heaven, everything that heaven has, streets paved with gold. Like, think about this reality. I think think we're missing it this morning. It's God's great delight and his joy to give you the kingdom. He wants you to experience it, and we talked about it last week, to the full in every way. 
He wants you to experience the joy of knowing him. He wants you to understand what it is to live free from the the trappings of this world and financial gain and to learn how to be a generous person that gives it away, to see God do extraordinary things in people's lives. He wants you to understand that the kingdom of God is not about the here and now, but it's about all that we see in front of us. He wants us to understand that the pain that you're experiencing right now is but a momentary affliction. Man, it's quiet in here this morning. He wants you to understand that this kingdom that he designed, that he thought of, that he put culture to, that he is the king of, he wants to give it to you. He wants you to experience it to the full. So when we talk about kingdom, talked about talk about mission, everything that we're talking about here is something that, that God's inviting you to experience through the person of Jesus Christ. So that not only heaven is wonderful, but that your life here on earth has meaning and purpose to it. And we've been talking about these kind of four spaces that God takes us on a journey in in our life here at River Valley. We call them the big four. And, And we talk about each one of these in intricacy because it gives us perspective on what God's trying to do in and through your life. The big four break down this way. The whole foundation of everything that we do here at River Valley is built into these four spaces. It gives us direction, clarity for our lives, because here's the reality. Here's what what God's trying to do in your life. He's trying to take you on this journey to help every person know God, to live free, to discover their purpose, and to make a difference. And if if you're not sure about the first three, go back the last three weeks. We talked about those. Today, we're going to talk about this space of, of what it really means to make a difference. But I want, to, I want to just remind you what each one of these say to us. To know God is to hear what God is saying and to do it. How many of you know sometimes we make following Jesus way too complicated? Here's this 17-step process, and when you graduate that, we got three years for you to follow through on some of the discipleship space of your life. And by that point in time, you might be able to say hi to somebody at the front door of the church. After 10 years, you can actually lead somebody to Jesus. What in the world? That's crazy town. No, no, no. There's a reality that, that Jesus brought us into, that he saved us, and he's, he's transforming us. And the moment that that takes place in your life, how many of you know you've got a testimony to share with somebody else? So to help people know God is this reality of daily going before him and say, God, what are you saying to me today, and what do you want me to do with that? Who am I going to run across today, God, that needs to know your love? God, as I experience you in my life, as I understand you through your word, as I spend time with you in prayer today, God, who is it that you want me to go and carry your love to today? It's hearing God, and it's doing what he's asking us to do. And all of that is birthed out of love relationship with him, not obligation or obedience. It's just because we love him so much, and he's been so good to us. And as we know and experience God, then it leads us into these places of learning how to live free in our life. And living free is really just as simple as this. It's disciples making disciples. It's what Jesus instructed us in Matthew chapter 28, go and make disciples. It's this reality that we were never meant to be alone in this journey. I don't know where that came into the American theology, but can I tell you, it's probably been one of the most detrimental things to the church actually being the church. That somehow you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, that's not even scriptural. Good preaching, Tim. It's not even biblical. 
Scripture teaches us that we can't even experience the fullness of what God wants to do in and through our lives without each other. And so learning how to be a disciple that makes makes disciples actually leads us into the place where we begin to actually live out of the place of how God created and designed us to. That's kingdom culture. That's kingdom mission. Learning how to live free in your life. And you know the only way that you get to be free in your life? I didn't write this. Not my idea. The Bible says confess your sin one to another. In other words, hey, the really broken spaces of your life, Ashley, you get to share those with other people. And that's how you find freedom. I'm picking on Ashley because we got to do a mission strip together this summer. And we got to see incredible stuff through this woman's life. Each one of us were created and designed by God to have freedom, to live in it. Jesus went to the cross and died for it. Most of us don't ever experience it because we're not willing to do it God's way. We want to do it our way. Our way is, I'm just going to kind of keep this over here. I confessed it to God and we're good. And God says, that's, that's not how we do life. How we do life is walking together with one another and, 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 and learning about each other and, and walking with each other and learning how to live how the Father lives because God fully knows you and God fully loves you. And he wants that to be in our culture as the church in spaces to be fully known and fully loved. Can I just tell you, not everybody's going to fully know you. Thank God, Right? But there should be some people in your life that you're doing life with that know you completely and still with arms wide open say, I love you. Because that's how the Father loves us. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be about. And then we went on and we talked a little bit about discovering our purpose, living fully out of who God says, I am in Christ. We talked about this last week, but in the New Testament alone, over 160 times it says, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. There's things that you have obtained in your life, not, not because of anything that you've done, but only because of the person of Jesus Christ. And there's things that you are becoming only because of the person of Jesus Christ. And so as you discover your purpose, as you really lock into your heart and mind, this is who God says that I am. That's what I believe. How many of you know that shuts up a lot of voices in your life? Man, I don't know about you, but I, I wrestle with that in my life. I wrestle with the voices of other people. I wrestle with the voices of our world trying to get me to conform to its image. And God says, listen, Tim, I I made you to be free. I made you to be you. I made you to represent Christ. I made you to, to come and live with me for eternity. That's my identity. Not what the world says I am. Not what I've done in my past. Not even what I did today. My identity comes in the person of Jesus Christ. And man, when we live out of that space, how many of you know we discover our purpose real quick? And then we be, get to live out of it. Today, I want to I finish off this, this series with what it means to make a difference. And here's, here's how we're going to define that, uh, making a difference. Uh, living to advance the kingdom of God. When we make a difference with our life, it is never about what we obtain through through the, the process, the journey. It's, that, that's not what God ever intended for us. What he intended for us was us to live out of a place where we were kingdom-minded, thinking about processing, God, how today with my life do, we, do I advance the kingdom of God? And You know, a lot of times when we think about that, we, we think, okay, so in order to advance the kingdom of God, we got to go do something crazy. 
We got to do something great. Got to do something big. We got to go to we got to go to Capitol Hill and we got to scream from the steps and and make sure that we get right laws and we got to make sure that 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 in our communities and all of these spaces that that the bad things that are happening go away and the good things come in and we we have to be the vehicles of that and we have to we have to make sure that people know when they're doing wrong. We have to make sure people know what is right. And can I just tell you that a lot of times we get wrapped up in the doing. And I'm not saying we're not supposed to do because that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But there's also just the reality of being the church, being the body of Christ, being a follower of Jesus that models to the world around us what we like to preach so much. I'm not going to get into political views today, but here's what I want to help you with when it comes to what it means to make a difference with our lives. When we see all the stuff that's going on in our world, I, 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 like you, probably get frustrated a lot. See a lot of things, injustice, just stuff that is not okay. That's the easiest term that I can put to it. And oftentimes I can get really frustrated and angry in those spaces. But, but, but I heard a quote this week from Pastor Robert Morris that kind of rocked me. It was actually pretty ironic because I saw it, I think, on Thursday. Um, and many of you know who, who Robert Morris is, but he, he's, just a, he's a general in the body of Christ today, just a man that uh, models and exemplifies character and integrity. They have a church down in Texas that we've, uh, as a leadership team, been to many times. And, and he's just impacted my life personally from his teaching. And, and he put out a quote this week, um, and then Pastor Jason reposted, I think it was Friday or Saturday, I can't remember when it was. But it's just powerful. I want you to listen, listen to this quote. It, it's incredible. It says, You can share in God's anger against wickedness as long as you share in his compassion for people. See, that's the kingdom of God. It's okay to hate bad stuff. It's okay to look at child trafficking and sex trafficking and all these things and go, I hate that. That is, that is ugly and it's wrong. It's okay to look at the brokenness in our community and the, the way that people are treated and go, that's not okay. It's okay to do that. It's not okay to be stuck in that place. It's not okay to just start ranting and raving about what we don't like politically or what we don't like you know, socially. Or We don't get to just rant about it. What we get to do is learn how to love people well in that. And here, here's what I want to remind you. That means love people who view it differently than you. It's easy to look around this room. It doesn't take anything for me to love the people in this room. That's easy for me to do. You're, you're wonderful. Don't get me wrong, you got some stuff. <laughs> but it doesn't take anything for me to love you. Like that, that, we've, we're walking together in life, and we know some stuff about each other, and we just care about it. That's easy. Having compassion on people that view things very differently than me, that's when you know the kingdom of God is actually working in your life. When you're not tearing people up out on social media just because you can. Instead, you're praying for them and caring for them and maybe even going and having coffee with them and saying, hey, listen, you, you and I, we're on two different planets, but I want to get to know you. I, w- I want to get to know you. Without the agenda of, I want to get to know you so I can change you. How about just sit down and listen? How about, how about just engage in relationship because they're a human being that Jesus died for and he loves? How about, how about being that kind of people? See, that, that's what should distinguish the church from everything else in our world, that we can disagree. We can hate, hate evil and wickedness. Like, 
We are, we are commissioned to do that. Jesus came and said that he came to destroy the works of the devil. That is not a passive thing. That is a very active thing that he was engaged with. But here's the deal. He destroyed the works of the devil while loving people really well. And church, we need to get back to that. We need to learn how to love people really well. When we talk about advancing the kingdom of God, Richard talked so well about it today. He said it's, it's the little things of life. Missions trips are wonderful. I love going on missions trips. Seeing people healed and transformed by the power of God, they're wonderful. But can I tell you, the kingdom of God is actually advancing through our lives through the little things that we're experiencing day in and day out. The kingdom of God is advancing and exists in our world today through the way that we parent. Through how you work and play. Through where you invest your time and your talent and your resources and how you educate people and walk with people in life. See, the kingdom of God is being advanced in the little, little spaces of life. We see this all throughout Scripture, and oftentimes we, we just walk right by it because we, we look at the giants of the faith. It's easy for us to look in Scripture and go, well, Moses definitely made a difference. He led the children of Israel out of captivity and in, into the, the promises of God for their life. And he, he led them for 40 years to the desert when they didn't have anything. He's, he... Dude, he's definitely advancing the kingdom of God. Easy for us to say. Right? Noah stood for righteousness in a day when everybody else was doing the crazy thing. They were partying, getting it on. And, 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 and Noah, man, he, he stood for righteousness and he built an ark when people didn't even know what an ark was. They didn't even understand what a boat was. They'd never seen flooding or water or anything like that before. And so, man, he's certainly a man that advanced the kingdom of God. And we look at these giants of the faith and we're like, man, they're just way better than me. No. They're just people who knew God. They listened to what he said and they, they did it. And that's what separates them out as we, as we look at them and their, their journeys of faith is that they just responded to what God was speaking to them in their lives. No different than you and I have the opportunity. We have, we have people like Esther. I want you to think about Esther. Esther is a young lady who, who didn't have any, any real paradigm other than the fact that she had been selected to potentially be a queen in a land that did not, was not her own. She didn't know why she was in that position. She had an uncle Mordecai who loved her a ton and, and, and was, was recognizing, was seen beyond the moment and even the moment that she couldn't see beyond. All she knew was that she was in the king's palace and didn't know what, for what reason. And Mordecai came to her and said, Esther, could it be? Could it be, Esther? That all the things that you've gone through and all the stuff that you're going through right now, could it be that God set you in that place for such a time as this? In other words, for this generation and this time. Why? Because there's a gnarly dude named Haman who wanted to kill the people of God. And so God set Esther in a place and a moment in time, and she just simply listened and obeyed. And when she did, God did extraordinary things. She made a difference with her life. Think about a guy like David who, man, in so many ways, many of us could relate to him. He messed up a lot. And yet in his messed upness, I don't even know if that's a word, but it sounds cool. God chose to look beyond his brokenness and see the potential that was inside of this young man. David was spending time tending to sheep, killing bears, just goofing around out in the fields, didn't have really a care in life, just was kind of doing his thing. And, and the prophet of God 
found him, called him in, anointed him to be the next king of Israel. Why? Why? Because David was a young man that just heard what God would say and went and did it. When he heard the Philistine giant mocking the people of God, he's like, wait, 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 wait a minute. What's going on here? Like, I may be a shepherd boy, but he's making fun of my God. That's not okay. And he responded in the moment. And his life, as we look at the history of David's life, it's incredible the opportunities that God gave him to make a difference with his life. Why? Because David's heart was in a posture of, God, whatever you say, I'm going to do. And as you think about making a difference with your life, oftentimes, again, we, we think about the heroes of the faith. We think about the Billy Grahams. We think about all these people that did extraordinary. Can I just tell you, it was just the everyday decisions that they were making to say yes to God that gave them opportunity to do incredible stuff. Reminds me of a little boy who had some fish and loaves. Minding his own business, just hanging out one day. Wanted to go hear this guy Jesus teach in. Thousands of people were gathered around listening to this man teach, and everybody just got a little hungry. And God does an extraordinary feat through the hands of some disciples that were imperfect in every way and a little boy who was willing to just say, here you go, some fishes and loaves. You see, too many times we, we try to make this, make a different side of things just to to be so extraordinary that we disqualify ourselves from the journey and the process. And God's saying, man, it's, it's your parenting. It's how you walk with your spouse. It's how you love your neighbor. It's the, the spaces of life where we just slow down a little bit. I think probably one of my favorite stories in scriptures that gives us the, the clearest de- description of this comes out of Acts chapter 3, verse 1. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn there. It'll be up on the screen. But Peter and John are just kind of minding their own business. And, and this gives us such a cool picture of what it means to just simply make a difference. Read this with me. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. So let's put this in contact. They're just fellas hanging out together, going to do something that they do all the time. It's as simple as that. It could be you going playing golf with a friend. It could be you guys, whatever you're doing in your life. Maybe there's a store that you frequent consistently. Maybe it's just, just you doing everything, dropping your kids off at school. That's what Peter and John were doing here. They were just doing what they do every day. It just happened to be that they were going to prayer. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate. So I, I want to... I want to bring something to your attention here. How many of you think that Peter and John had, had been to prayer before? Something they did every day. Notice the words here. It says, this man was sitting by the gate every day. So this probably wasn't even the first time that Peter and John had seen this dude. Why don't you just put that in the context of your brain in your life? Like the things that you do every day, the teachers that you see every day, the students that you see every day, the friends that you hang out with every day, oftentimes we don't even recognize their lameness. Oftentimes we don't recognize their need and we pass them by every day. Peter and John were doing the same thing. But something changed on this day. The one called, uh, the gate called Beautiful so he could beg from people going into the temple. Verse 3, 
When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. In his mind, what he needed was a temporal help. In his mind, what he needed was some money. In his mind, what he needed was something that was going to come and go, and he did it every day. Verse 4, Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. He got the dude's attention. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. The phrase I want you to catch with me this morning, and, and this is just a beautiful picture of two men doing their normal everyday life, and God does something extraordinary through them because they had eyes to see and ears to hear, and it just happened to be that day. Again, I want to remind you, they had walked by that guy probably plenty of times. Something changed on this day. They were more aware on this day than they were on the previous days. How many of you know some days of our life are just that way? What God wants us to do is to learn how to live every day that way. But check out this statement. Peter doesn't try to give the man something he doesn't have. He made it very clear to him, I don't have any silver, I have no money for you. This is what you're looking for. You're looking for money. But what you're really looking for is freedom. So Peter looks at the man and he says, but I'll give you what I have. I don't know what you are equipped with in life, but here's what I do know. You have something. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's a, a place for somebody to come and stay for a couple days. Maybe it's a meal. I don't know what it is in your life, but here's what I do know. God has put something into your hand. What are you going to do with it? Your time, your talent, and your treasure are the resources that God has equipped you with to make a difference in the world that we live in today. And just like Peter, you have the opportunity every day to say, listen, and maybe you don't, I, I don't have any money for you today, but can I pray for you? I don't have the ability to, to really help you navigate through the brokenness of your marriage, but can I connect you with somebody who might be able to help you on that journey? I know you just lost a family member and you got nobody around. Do you want to come and have dinner at our house tonight? Whatever he's put into your hand, can I tell you, that's what you're responsible for. Peter didn't have any money. But what he did have, he gave. And he gave it freely. Here's what making a difference looks a lot like. I just want to bring it real practical to us this morning. We're going to close our time together and everybody said amen. Here's what making a difference looks like. It looks like Alonzo welcoming people with a smile in the lobby. Making a difference looks like our two mics that are running our audio-visual today and our, our online presence so that people that aren't here can join in with us and worship in the Word. Making a difference looks like the Messinas who aren't in here with us this morning because they're back teaching kids how to know God and to love Him. It's making a difference. Making a difference is like Kelly Penn who heard a need in one of her students this week and just put it out 
to some friends in the body of Christ, and an overwhelming response came to help this young lady know that Jesus loves her. Just because Kelly was like Peter, walking down the street, heard a need, and ran to it. Kelly knew, because she's been a part of this place for a little while, she has some really cool friends around her that are going to want to be a part of that as well. That's what it looks like to make a difference. Making a difference looks like a mom who chooses to forgo her career for a while to be a, a homeschool, stay-at-home mom to walk with her kids in that space, or, or a mom that, that can't forgo that space of, of working but is committed to helping her kids in the process and journey of life by putting good people around them and getting connected in a church and a youth group and, and, and when she's home at night just pouring into their lives and, and showing kids how to, how, to, how to be both vocational and a good parent. Can I tell you, that's what it looks like to make a difference with our life. All too often, we're, we're making things out to be way bigger than they are. How many of you know that, that making a difference with our life looks like a, a Mark Enos who, who just says, God, I want to honor you with my life. He starts a painting business for the purpose of income, and it turns into an opportunity for him to disciple people in their lives. See, whatever your hand finds to do in life is an opportunity for you to make a difference for kingdom of God, to advance the kingdom of God and move it forward. It looks like a group of people who just decided to clean up their neighborhood and a man comes to Jesus because of it. Now listen, I, I don't know what you've got going in your life, but here's what I want to encourage you in every day. God will give you opportunities to make a difference with your life if you'll just but present yourself to him and say, God, what fun adventure are we going to go on today? Sometimes those adventures are all about connecting with people. Sometimes those adventures are all about sacrificing things that are precious to you so that others can experience Him. Sometimes those adventures take you to the farthest reaches of the earth, and sometimes it just takes you across the street to your neighbor. Whatever it is, God wants to make a difference with your life. Making a difference looks a lot like normal people living their life on mission, doing everyday things that have eternal impact. And you think about your life today, and when you process just the incredible things that God's put in front of you, we want to be a church and a people who are living on kingdom mission, where our lives are pointed in the direction that Jesus is going, and that we're making a difference in the lives of the people that we're around on a daily basis. Listen, Peter and John walked by that dude, I guarantee you, multiple times. There's people that you walk by every day that maybe this week God's going to open the door for you to point them to Christ. I don't know what that looks like for you, but here's what I do know. God has created each one of us uniquely to represent him to this world well. So as we look at the things that God is giving us opportunity to, don't ever diminish the little things of life. Don't ever look at the things that we read about in Scripture and go, well, they're just way better than me. No, no, no. Settle your heart in this space that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things if we would just but present ourselves to Him. I want to pray over you this morning, and then we're going to jump into our group time here in a second and discuss a little bit of this. But I, I feel like in this missional component that we've walked through over these last 
six weeks together, that God just wants to remind us that his kingdom is on mission, and he's inviting us into that place of going with him on that. When we live our lives in that way, can I just tell you, it is the greatest adventure of your life. It is so easy to just get wrapped up into everyday stuff and forget that the everyday stuff is opportunity for God to do something extraordinary through our lives. Amen? Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you uh, that you are so good to us, God. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word that transforms us, that leads us into relationship with you. And God, we thank you that you created us, God, for an eternal purpose to make a difference in the world that we're in, God. And Lord, every little place of life, Lord, that you give us opportunity and impact, God, is an opportunity for people to come to know you through us. And so, Lord, we pray today, Lord, that as we live our lives, Lord, that we would live them on mission. Lord, that we would be intentional and purposeful, God, about how we live our lives for you. And that, Lord, that in every day, Lord, as we wake in the morning, God, that we, Lord, would live our lives in such a way, Lord, where we make a difference in the lives of the people that are around us. We advance your kingdom, God, through our very existence. Lord, we thank you that you called us to that, Lord, that it's your joy to give us your kingdom. And so, Lord, today, Lord, may we live in such a way, Lord, that honors that in us. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.